baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and today I'm at the grand opening of Arioso, a 195-unit affordable rental community for low-income seniors in southwest Las Vegas. Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak is here to talk about the need for high-quality affordable housing. Hi, Governor Sisolak. Hi, I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. We are on six radio stations here. I just wanted to ask you, why is it so important for us to have affordable housing for seniors here in Las Vegas? Well, we're 85,000 units short for our seniors. For our seniors, our veterans, those with disabilities, they need a uh, reliable, safe place to live that doesn't take 50% of their income. And these projects allow that to happen. So we're doing everything we can. We've invested $500 million worth of federal money into this program, and we plan to continue to build these units. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you. Now, Jess Mulaski, project manager for Ovation Design and Development, is hosting a press conference for the grand opening. We'll also hear from Governor Sisolak, Clark County Commissioner Justin Jones, and the founder of Ovation, Jess's father, Alan Mulaski, as well as some other special guests. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jess Mulaski. My father, Alan Mulaski, and I are excited to welcome you all to our grand opening of Arioso. A special thank you to Governor Sisolak and Commissioner Jones for joining us. My father is chairman and CEO of Ovation Design and Development, who developed this project along with our nonprofit partner, Coordinated Living of Southern Nevada. Ovation and the Mulaski Group of Companies have been creating homes in Nevada for 70 years, over three generations. Of all the amazing projects we've been involved with, I'm often most proud of the affordable housing communities Ovation has developed over the past 12 years. The need for affordable units in Nevada is well documented. There's currently a shortage of over 85,000 units, meaning that many Nevada residents are paying more than 50% of their income in rent and are unable to afford safe and secure housing. Residents who qualify will be able to live in this beautiful community with many amenities for 40% less than market rate apartments in the area and the rents include utilities. These affordable housing developments are more than just shelter, they are a home. These communities truly change lives, giving residents a sense of belonging and act as a nexus of services that enable them to live with pride, dignity, and independence. They're also energy efficient, and all of the affordable communities that Ovation develops include solar systems that offset at least 10% of their total power. These affordable properties are made possible through the hard work and commitment of team members and many public and private partners, many of whom are here today. We owe a debt of gratitude to all of them, beginning with the governor, who along with the Board of Finance approved the tax-exempt bonds and gap funding for this project. So it is my honor and great pleasure to introduce the Governor of the State of Nevada, Steve Sisolak. Thank you, Jess. I really appreciate that kind introduction. Good morning to all of you, and uh, I appreciate you being here and have the opportunity to be at this ribbon cutting because affordable housing is of utmost concern to me when we see the and Jess is 100% right, we're 85,000 units short, and uh, I cannot begin to thank Ovation and Alan and uh, Jess enough for what they're doing in terms of making a dent. And this is, this is a small dent. We're taking chips out of the 85,000, but we've got a long way to go. We've got a lot more affordable housing that we need to 
need to build, and this is beautiful. It's a beautiful project. Uh, so thank you for hosting us with your team innovation, Ellen and Jess, your great partner. And I don't know if Ellen's passing the mantle yet, but Jess is doing one heck of a job. Let me tell you something. I was at him at the last uh, affordable housing project in this one, and he's really caring. Ellen taught him well, so we appreciate that. And we expect you to continue on the process of building more affordable housing here. Uh, we're at the other site that was part of the Whole Means of Nevada initiative for affordable housing. I'm excited for the ribbon cutting of that site, the future home of Capriccio by Ovation, another senior affordable apartment community just on the road. I'm so proud that the state funding could help make this possible today. It takes all of us from federal, state, and county officials. My colleague, Justin Jones here, Commissioner Jones, has long been an advocate of affordable housing and taking care of our vulnerable population uh, and working to address the housing shortage here in Southern Nevada. In the last decade, more than 400,000 people have moved to Nevada. In that same amount of time, the median price of a single-family home in our state has risen twofold to over a half a million dollars, $500,000. It's uh, pricing so many people out of the market. We have to continue to do everything possible to get people back into the housing market. A lack of available and affordable housing units impacts all Nevadans, regardless of who you are or where you are but especially impacts our low-income Nevadans, including our seniors, our veterans, and those with disability conditions, and many working families that rely on affordable housing assistance. That's why my administration, we are investing $500 million. That's half a billion dollars. With our partners for the Home Means Nevada Initiative, it's the single largest investment ever made in the history of our housing projects in the state of Nevada. In just our pre-application process, we've had more than 200 developers apply for the Home Means Nevada funding, 200. And we hope that Ovation has got numerous applications in there because we need this to continue what you're doing here. Five, there we go, okay, I appreciate that. Jess, take care of that, okay? You got that, okay. These funds that we've invested will go to build more affordable housing units for people to stay in their homes. And in addition to the housing units, it is creating good paying jobs. The jobs that are created on these projects are of so much importance for our building trades. We can get our apprentices out in the field, teach them the work skills that they need. They can become journeymen, and those are skills that they learn that will last them a lifetime and serve them and their families for a lifetime. So we're building housing that's affordable, and we're creating jobs along the way. Housing developments like you're at today are critical, not only to ensure senior citizens find affordable places to live, but they can build a community. It's not just the house, it's a home for our senior citizens and our veterans that need the support. The work we're doing together is imperative. Getting just one more person into a home is what this is all about. And Ovation, and I'm, I know I'm preaching for them here and lauding them, is setting the bar very high for our other developers when it comes to affordable housing. They continue to move forward and build more affordable housing for those that desperately need it. And on behalf of a grateful state, we thank you for what you're doing because it's truly making a difference. <laughs> thank you for your partnership in these projects. It's your dedication to your fellow Nevadans that is making this possible. And I'd like to close, it is the honor of my lifetime to serve as your governor. And we will promise we will continue to pursue projects like this project. And with that, I'd like to present this proclamation, the Certificate of Recognition to Ovation Development Corporation, I won't read this all to you because it's hot out here, but it's basically thanking them for their commitment and their dedication to helping to solve the affordable housing crisis in the state of Nevada.
Thank you, Governor. Now I'd like to introduce County Commissioner Jones, who supported the zoning and the allocation of home funds to this project. Uh, thanks, Jess. It's uh, really an honor to be here to celebrate the grand opening uh, of this Arioso Senior Apartments. I actually live uh, down the street in Mountain's Edge, and so I've had the pleasure to watch this uh, the, this place under construction for the last uh, year or so. And uh, it's so exciting to, to have seniors move into this community. And I just want to give you a sense for how great Ovation is at, at what they do. Uh, Alan came to see me, I don't know, two years ago, uh, <laughs> more than that, and we went and toured one of their other facilities just so I had a sense for, for what uh, Ovation does. Uh, and I was very impressed, not just with the building, but with the services that Ovation provides to its residents. And that's a key component. Lots of people can just build a building, but unless you're able to provide those wraparound services for the seniors and others who live in these properties, then you're not really serving the, the purpose of, of what we do in, in affordable housing. Um, so I appreciate that, and, and you mentioned the zoning process. As, as, uh, as the governor knows from having been in this process before, you get a lot of nimbiers out there, um, who, who, uh, neighbors who come and, and uh, protest the development. Um, and in this case, uh, you guys did a fantastic job meeting with the neighbors, and we had zero opposition to this project, which is amazing. I'm very grateful um, to the governor and uh, to the state for their commitment. Grateful to our congressional delegation, many of whom are represented here today, uh, for the ARPA dollars that have been allocated to uh, state and local uh, entities. You heard the governor talk about the $500 million commitment there. We at the county have committed $160 million. That's almost a third of our dollars uh, from ARPA to affordable housing because we know we are in crisis. Uh, and we are so grateful to have partners like Ovation uh, on projects like this. And we look forward, uh, as the governor, to, to many more from Ovation uh, and from the other affordable housing developers here. Uh, as was mentioned, uh, this project was made uh, possible in part through the HUD's uh, $1.5 million in home investment uh, funds uh, that were provided uh, from uh, Clark County. Uh, and as a community, we, we need to continue to build these types of projects here, not only for seniors, but for families. Uh, and I know that we're working on additional projects with Ovation and our other developers in order to meet the tremendous need that we have. So thank you again. Uh, we appreciate all that you do. Thank you, Commissioner Jones. Now I'd like to introduce two of our residents, this is special, to tell us about their experience. First, we'll hear from Sally Brent. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Sally Barrent. I would like to thank Governor Sisolak thank and ladies and gentlemen for coming today. I would like to tell you a little about myself. I'm a New Yorker. No. <laughs> my husband, my children, my puppy, and I traveled to California in 1969, uh, in 1970, I'm sorry, I'm looking at 69 station wagon back then. Cross country on Route 66. We had friends and relatives here. In January of this year, I came to your beautiful state of Nevada. I say Nevada, sorry. <laughs> I'm learning. I came here to be near my daughter, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. I'm trying to get used to this weather. Drink a lot of water. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Living here at Arioso is a huge financial benefit for me as I was paying market rent at my prior residence in California. It's a wonderful place. The staff is fantastic. The residents are friendly. 
our manager, Joy Powell. Where's Joy? Right there. Is fantastic, always smiling and greeting everyone. The maintenance department can't be beat. The men are always taking care of the apartments and grounds daily. Their names are Daniel Avila, Leon Johnson, and Curtis Holmes. Yes, they deserve it. The office staff are Colby Wilson, Daisy Trujillo, and Jordan Johnson, the event coordinator. Jordan has everything planned out perfectly. Everything runs smoothly. The beginning of the month, we receive a calendar. Jordan plans something for each day of the week. Right before the great room on the wall, you will see every day that's things that are being planned for you. During the month, speakers come finance, wellness, and anything you can think of. The gym is fantastic. Everything that's needed and wanted. Someday I'll get to use it. <laughs> there is something for everyone. There is never a dull moment. Thank you so much for coming. Stay cool. Thank you, Sally. Now we'd like to hear from Sandra Lind. Good morning. My name is Sandra Lynn, and I am a resident here at Ariozo. I am so excited to be here today. I was born in the Bronx, New York. My parents, being from Puerto Rico, came to the U.S. in the early 1950s. I lived in the Bronx throughout my childhood and for most of my adult life. I have four beautiful children, seven grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. In the early 2000s, I moved to Kissimmee, Florida with my late husband. I relocated to Las Vegas in 2016, shortly after his passing. Moving into Arioso was perfect timing for me personally. I am amazed at just how beautiful this community is. My entire life has changed and my overall health has improved significantly since I moved in. Best of all, I have made a bunch of amazing friends. The residents are incredibly friendly and personable. We hang out every day and we look out for each other like a big family. After living in New York, Florida, and the central west part of Las Vegas, I have never in my entire life lived in a better, more beautiful place, and I am 67 years old. I am the happiest I have ever been, and because of this, I am eternally grateful, and I am honored and proud to say that Arioso Senior Apartments, I'm sorry, is officially my forever home. Wonderful. <laughs> I think they did better than both of us. <laughs> There's not a doubt about it. Right? <laughs> Thank you, Sandra. Now I'd like to introduce Alan Mulaski, whose commitment and leadership has made all of this possible. Thank you so much. I don't know what else to say, because you guys really, that's what it's about is what you said. But I'm supposed to come up here and thank people, so I, I will. These are the first two big thank yous yes. right here. We appreciate you. Thank you. I call him Steve, but Governor. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. We've worked together a long time. Thank you, Commissioner Jones. And thank you for your kind words. It means so much. Really, this is what it's, it's all about. It's such an honor for us at Ovation to help create beautiful spaces for people to live. And it's not just a space, it's a community. You know, it's tough out there. Life is hard. And to have a place that you can call home, that you feel safe, 
and when you're telling me about the community and the fact that there's things to do and there's people to watch out for, that's really what life's about and what we should be doing together. And we're working so hard to create these beautiful spaces, but it doesn't happen by just Jess and I. <laughs> and so I'd like to talk about the team of people. Obviously, there's the county commissioners, and they are approving home funds. There's the Nevada Housing Division, which does the tax credits and the gap financing. Dr. May Thomas, deputy administrator, is here today. The Governor's Board of Finance, administered by the Nevada Housing Division. The Clark County Community Resources, who allocates the home funds. HUD provides the home funds to the Clark County. Adrian Babbitt. Wells Fargo, our banker. Hello, how are you? Nice to see you. Praxis, and they help us put all of the packaging together. You know, you walk through a building like this and it's just here, but it takes a lot of persistence. It takes a lot of patience, and it's quite a challenge. And it's a lot of people working together. This project started, actually it wasn't two years ago, it was three years ago. <laughs> and you know, government does its best. And um, one of the things I'm proud of is Today we hear so much in the news and everybody's critical of government and I'm sure there's reason to be critical here and there. But you know, from what I see, there's a lot of people in government and a lot of people in private that are really trying hard to do good things and work together and bring this together. And so it's nice to celebrate for change what good government does, you know? Thank you. And on the private side, there's a whole bunch of people. There's our architects. Is Larry Tyndall here? There's architects, there's a bunch of lawyers. <laughs> Is our lawyer Matt Watson here? The Ovation Development Team, and it all starts with my friend and colleague, Lori Murphy. Lori's just, she's an amazing woman. And there's Rainier. Rainier is, uh, runs Ovation Development. And there's Scott Lawrence. Scott, are you here? There's Robert Baker. There's Mike Kirby. Jan Goyer. All those approvals and everything Jan has to help us with. Eric Arnett. And a whole bunch of accounting people and other people at Ovation. I'm sorry if I missed someone's name, but you're all very much appreciated. Then there's our nonprofit partner, Coordinated Living of Southern Nevada. BJ, are you here? Hi, BJ. Coordinated Living in Southern Nevada. It's a nonprofit. And one of the things I'm most proud of is they have hooked up with Three Square, the food bank. And we have these vans that go out and pick up food from the grocery stores that's going to be thrown in the trash, believe it or not. And they take them to our projects. And I think we've distributed close to 380,000 pounds of food. The real day-to-day -day work of managing, um, you know, Although I loved listening to you, everybody has issues, <laughs> and you got to deal with the management. And so Ovation Management has done such a great job. Thank you to Ovation Management. And I'd like to thank the congressional delegation that's helped so much. Hector Lazola on behalf of Senator Cortez Masto. April St. James on behalf of Senator Jackie Rosen. And Alejandro Rodriguez on behalf of Congresswoman Susie Lee. I think they all brought a little proclamation to us. Thank you. And uh, I just want to thank everyone for coming. 
as I said earlier, just an honor for us, and I'm glad, Jess, you're going to be doing more of this because I don't really love the speaking in front of people. But <laughs> thank you so much. For more information on available senior residences, visit SeniorLasVegasLiving.com. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and I'm your host, Heather Vale. Today I'm speaking with John Williams, co-founder and program director of the Nevada Wheelchair Foundation. The foundation is on a mission to deliver a wheelchair to every man, woman, and child who needs one but can't get one. For these people, a wheelchair isn't just a means for mobility. It represents independence, freedom, self-reliance, and hope. John, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. So what exactly does the Wheelchair Foundation do to fulfill its mission of giving wheelchairs to those in need? You know, we about 20 years ago, my brother and I realized that there is a need for wheelchairs. And uh, at that time, there was like 15,000 people just in Nevada that needed a wheelchair that couldn't afford one. So uh, my brother came up with the money and gave me the, uh, the job as director. And uh, we bought 10,000 wheelchairs and uh, we distribute all those wheelchairs in about five years. And uh, just recently, we got about 2,000 more wheelchairs. And our goal now is 10,000 for the next five years. The need is really out there. I mean, there's a lot of gaps in insurance. There's uh, a lot of people that are just down on the luck that just need a wheelchair in mobility just to get to the store. So uh, we offer the wheelchair for free no cost. So you bought 10,000 wheelchairs. Yeah. That seems like a huge amount of money. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm literally, my brother can afford that. And uh, <laughs> that's um, awesome. I mean, yeah. that like, wow, that's great. There must've been something, there must've been a specific incident or somebody that you guys knew or something yeah. that prompted you and your brother to go forward with this? Because that was that a huge undertaking. A question. Uh, my brother's best friend, Ken Barron, he had the Wheelchair Foundation, the global division. Mm -hmm. He gave out 1.2 million wheelchairs worldwide. And he asked my brother, he said, Don, help me, you know, with the Wheelchair Foundation. And Don says, no, I can't help the pygmies in Africa when, where I live and work, we need wheelchairs. And, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just going to start the Nevada Wheelchair Foundation, help the people where I live and work. So we started the chapter back in 2002. And, uh, you know, we work very closely with the Wheelchair Foundation worldwide, but we do concentrate only on Nevada. The need is here so bad, so bad. How many Nevadans are affected by mobility issues? 
Oh, right now, right now, they said it's about 25% of the people over 55 years old. And uh, wow. because like, there's a lot of gaps in insurances. A lot of people have great insurances. A lot of vets need wheelchairs. We offer a lot of wheelchairs to the vets because vets, just because you was a vet for one year doesn't mean you get all the great benefits. And people think, oh, you're, you know, medical for life. No, there's a lot of gaps in there. So mm-hmm. we come up with, for the, uh, the veterans, we come up with a lot of wheelchairs, mainly it's seniors. And uh, the Hispanic population is probably 60%. And we don't ask for documentation. We don't ask for money. We don't want to see ID. We just take people's word that they need one. They can't afford one. And it's for permanent use. And that's it. They get one. So all someone has to do is basically ask, hey, John, give me a wheelchair. I need it. And there they go. They get a wheelchair. That's all we they just call us and we trust them. And we know we, you know, people are going to lie. I mean, it's just, yeah. we don't care. Yeah. Why, why would they? Yeah, exactly. If they do have to lie, they must need it. You know, I seen my wheelchairs at the uh, Broadacre swap meet and I'd seen them in garage sales. People come in and they say they need one. Our wheelchairs are Ferrari red, the beautiful hmm. wheelchairs. And, uh, and they look nice and then people can get some money for them. So they come in, get it, and they take it to Broad Acres, and they sell it for, you know, 100 bucks. So where do you get these Ferrari red wheelchairs? Well, they're made in China, and we just got 600 wheelchairs last week. And that shipment took over six months. They were floating in the docks mm. or the ocean in Long Beach because they couldn't, you know, because of the harbor problem. But we do have right now, I would say, close to 2,000 wheelchairs in hand. You know, we have a lot of, of good businesses that support us, too. Um, Richard Harris Law Firm, Dallas Horton Law Firm. I use the Rotary, Las Vegas Rotary, for deliveries. They hand deliver the wheelchairs. The, wow. the Lions in Nevada, they store a lot of my wheelchairs. I don't pay any rent for storage, people with the big hearts. That saves me 4000 a month. Volunteers work for free. And we only have two employees, my wife and I, in the whole state of Nevada. So when people do help us, the money stays in Nevada, and it goes to wheelchairs. That's great. Yeah. So how many wheelchairs, again, do you give out each year? Okay, each. Well, it all depends. You know, during the pandemic, it, was, it got down low. We mm-hmm. might have done 500. But basically, it's probably a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand a year, and uh, you know I can get rid of all two thousand in one month. But we try to um, use the qualification method of you know you have to live in Nevada for permanent use. A lot of hospitals and rehab centers they need a wheelchair just to leave. I mean, they're required to have a wheelchair just to leave the uh, facility, and we can't do that because it's you know my family pays for this wheelchair. They use it to go outside and it sits outside and, right. and we're out money. So it's, uh, um, I would say a thousand a year is probably pretty good average. It could be more, but right now it's probably about a thousand a year. Okay. How can members of the community help you out with your mission? Oh man, we need volunteers. They can, you know, most volunt- uh, nonprofits walk around with their hands out asking for money. Mm-hmm. I need awareness. I need people like you. I mean, this is wonderful. Because we have all these wheelchairs and it's so hard to get the word out. I mean, 
It's so hard. We need volunteers for the office to call every church in Nevada, every nonprofit in Nevada, every hospital, every rehab center. I need people in the office. I need volunteers to distribute the wheelchairs. Go get the hugs. Nothing's better when you give them a new wheelchair, Ferrari Red, and you see them cry and they just hug you. And, and uh, I need volunteers like that. Plus, yeah, I need money. And if we buy, if somebody donates, say, $1,000, the Wheelchair Foundation Global matches that thousand. So you actually buy more wheelchairs and they match yeah. to match. A container is about $42,000 and that holds 280 wheelchairs. If somebody buys a container for 42, we put their, like Richard Harris Law Firm, we put their little embroidered emblem on back of the, each wheelchair and we match that. So he gets uh, two containers. Nice. 600 wheelchairs for 42. And that's the best public relations that you can do, having your little wheelchair, big wheelchair, moving around the mall or Fremont Street. Yeah, absolutely. So how does someone get a wheelchair if they need one? It's very simple. They can get online. They can look at our website at nevadawheelchairfoundation.org, or they can call directly at the uh, our office, 702-476-6532. They can call. Four seven six six five three two. But the website's a very good way. Or they can just contact me at John at Nevada Wheelchair Foundation.org and I'll personally help them. You know, I, I go out there and deliver wheelchairs myself all the time. So I'm the director, the plumber, the painter, <laughs> the chief cook and bottle washer. I tell you, that's it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. Okay, so once again, if you want to have a wheelchair or if you want to help out the Nevada Wheelchair Foundation, whether that's by volunteering, donating, buying some wheelchairs, you can find all the information at nevadawheelchairfoundation.org or email John directly, john at nevadawheelchairfoundation.org or give them a call at the office 702-476-6532. 702-476-6532. John, thank you so much for being here today and for bringing awareness to this foundation and the issue that people are facing, because you mentioned that getting the word out there is the most important part. So I'm so happy that we've been able to do our part in helping that happen. So yeah, thanks we for sharing. appreciate this. You know, I, I called the TV. We used to get a lot of TV coverage. Mm -hmm. And now with all this going on worldwide, you know, they just come out and say, John, we just don't do as much as we used to do. So they don't come out very much. So we need people like you. And I, I tell you, I appreciate it so much. Yeah, luckily, we've still got radio who can yes, <laughs> cover things that TV it. can't always. Thank yeah, you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Ugh. 
Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. You're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm your host, Heather Vale, and joining me today is Andrew McMahon, VP of Health and Human Services Policy for United Healthcare Community and State. United Health Group has invested nearly $800 million in the Health and Housing Fund, a partnership with Stewards of Affordable Housing for the Future and the National Affordable Housing Trust. That $800 million total includes $100 million that they just recently invested. Andrew, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. So why exactly is United Health investing in affordable housing developments? So as you noted, we've invested uh, over $800 million. And, you know, I think that the short and simple answer is that there is no doubt from our view at United Healthcare uh, that housing is healthcare. There is enormous amounts of evidence that demonstrates that having a safe, decent, affordable place to live uh, improves people's health outcomes. Uh, so uh, when we are making investments in uh, affordable housing, we're actually making investments in, in the improving the health of the communities we serve. What exactly is the correlation between health and affordable housing? So there is a ton of evidence and, and rigorous evaluation that has been done on uh, supportive housing, which is safe, decent, affordable housing uh, connected to the social, clinical, uh, and community supports that individuals and, and families need. And, you know, in, in, in short, people do not do well when they are on the streets or in shelters or in detox facilities, uh, et cetera. So having a, a safe, decent place to live in its own right, you know, it helps to improve health outcomes. But more importantly, as people get into safe, decent, affordable housing, um, they're, they are then able to get connected and have access to an array of services and supports that they need to improve their health. So that stability in housing enables them to better access and, and get the, the behavioral and primary health care that they need. Okay. Where have some of these affordable housing developments been built so far? So we have a, a whole map uh, that we could share with you, but the, the three most recent projects that we are uh, investing in through our $100 million health and housing fund uh, are in Oregon, Georgia, and North Carolina. But we have uh, invested in, uh, in dozens of communities across the country. And what are the chances that one of these developments might be built in Nevada, specifically Las Vegas? Very high probability. So actually, uh, we have a uh, investment in a in a project that we are working on right now through our health and housing fund in Las Vegas that is with uh, Volunteers of America. It's called Desert Oasis Two. Wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. So, what other programs and partnerships do you have going on right now? You know, I think we view, especially as you think about the housing and healthcare space we view partnerships really as the pathway forward. And so in the housing space, uh, we have a host of partnerships. We uh, have the partnership with Stewards for Affordable Housing for the Future that you mentioned on the investment side, uh, where I would, I would say, you know, in that health and housing fund, we are conceding uh, some of our return on investment to finance the services fund for the projects. We are going to be tracking resident health outcomes as part of that. So it's more than your kind of quote-unquote, average housing fund, but we also have partnerships with public housing agencies across the country. 
as well as with local continuums of care, uh, which are the organizations that administer and allocate uh, the federal homeless assistance funding. We have partnerships there. And then the, the third uh, key one on the housing front that I would mention are our partnerships with an array of healthcare for the homeless entities, uh, entities that go out and literally meet people under bridges and in shelters and on the streets and and provide them the healthcare they need, uh, but also build trust to help get them to access care. And so, you know, all three of those uh, entities are, are key partners in our housing efforts. And then what areas besides housing do you also get involved in? So we are involved some in the transportation space, some in the employment space, uh, and then food insecurity is a, is a key area for us as well. And relatedly, uh, we have some emerging work that we are doing uh, around addressing social isolation for our members. You know, when people think of United Health Group, I think they think health insurance. They don't really think about all these other ventures and partnerships and programs and giving back to various communities across the country. Why do you think it's important for United Health Group to be involved in those types of initiatives? Great question. So I, I think it, it's really important, you know, I think to your point, I think people think United Healthcare and they think healthcare insurance and, you know, and they're paying the claims of, of your provider in your network. And, you know, I think what we have learned over many, many years, right, is that 80% of anyone's health outcomes uh, are determined outside of any sort of clinical or medical or healthcare setting, but are actually in the communities that we live and, and through the issues that we talked about, like housing, transportation, employment, food security, et cetera. And so, you know, over time, I think that we have really focused on you know, expanding our reach and our impact, uh, you know, and, and at the end of the day, you know, our kind of fundamental goal is to help our members uh, live healthier lives. Are these kinds of initiatives status quo in the healthcare industry, or do you think United Health is set apart from others by doing these things? I think we're, we're very proud of the work that, that we are doing uh, at United Health Group. You know, other groups are, are doing some some good stuff too, but we are certainly uh, very proud of, of the work that we're doing. So, where can people find out more about United Health and the various programs and initiatives that you're working on right now? UHC.com. All right, awesome. So, once again, if you want information about what United Health is doing, go to UHC.com for UnitedHealthcare.com. It's just UHC.com. You can see their different partnerships, their affordable housing initiatives, and other programs that they're working on. And, Andrew, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting us know about these initiatives that you're taking on because I think it's very valuable for people to know about. And even just the correlation between healthcare and affordable housing isn't necessarily something that people normally think about. So I want to thank you for shining the spotlight on this issue and for telling us more about it. Thank you very much for your, your time and interest uh, and delighted to be with you. Thank you. Charlie died after taking a single pill that turned out to be counterfeit. He was having back issues and it was a counterfeit poisonous pill. Websites and social media selling fake medicines may look legitimate, but they're not. Drugs from these rogue pharmacies could have fillers like sawdust or deadly fentanyl. He died in less than 15 minutes after taking the pill. 
Now there's a free tool that can give you peace of mind. At safe.pharmacy, enter the pharmacy web address and you'll know if the site you're using is safe. If you're not getting your prescriptions from a legitimate source, that next dose you take could be your last. We just don't want other people to go through what we're going through. It's just horrific. Go to safe.pharmacy. Find out about fake medicine on social media and if the site you're buying from is safe. You're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and I'm your host, Heather Vale. Today I'm speaking with Johnny White, CEO of ASA, a nonprofit global association of appraisers. ASA is a professional affiliation with member appraisers from all disciplines, working together to raise the standards of the appraisal profession. And Johnny's going to tell us how to determine the true value of our homes and possessions so we don't leave money on the table. Johnny, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Heather. So what different types and disciplines of appraisers are there? Well, for our organization, we have six different disciplines of appraisers. We have real property appraisers, which most people know real property appraisers. These are individuals that appraise homes from residential homes to commercial. Uh, but we also have five other type of appraisers. We have personal property appraisers. So these are individuals that are appraising anything that's within the home, furniture, antique furniture, coins, antique cars, things of that nature that an individual may own or may have been passed down through the family. And then there's machine and equipment appraisers. These are individuals that appraise uh, construction equipment, uh, yachts, uh, aircrafts, anything that's machine related. Then there's business valuation appraisers. These are individuals that appraise businesses. So let's say you're selling your business or you're trying to purchase a business or you may be merging a business. They're going to value that the value of that business. And then we have gym and jewelry appraisers. So they appraise all types of jewelry from diamonds to uh, rubies to any type of jewelry that you may have. They're going to appraise that. And then the last group is the appraiser review. And we call them appraiser review managers. And these are individuals that normally work at the insurance companies or they work at the banks. And they're reviewing the appraiser reports that come in to ensure that they meet the value in order to either approve a loan or approve uh, an insurance claim. Okay. When should consumers consider getting an appraisal on something they own? Well, it depends on what they want to do with that asset. It's something that's related to transactions. So if they are looking to sell the, the asset, or they're looking to uh, gift it to, to someone else, um, that's kind of the areas where they're going to be looking for appraisers. There's other areas where they're going to be looking at appraisers, such as a divorce. You know, you have uh, a number of assets between two parties, so you have to determine the value of those assets in order to split it between the two parties. Um, insurance needs, uh, asset transfers, uh, bankruptcy. You know, that might be another time that you may have to bring an appraiser in because, again, you have to determine the value in order to figure out what you're going to do with that asset. Okay. And what questions should we ask before choosing an appraiser? Well, the uh, appraiser profession is pretty complex. So it's critical to ensure a potential appraiser is qualified. So the three things that they should be asking is first, what is their educational background? Second, what their experience is. And third, do they have a designation? And designation is very, very important because if they have a designation, that says that they are committed to this profession because they went through the process of getting additional education and 
have completed the coursework that's required to get that designation. So those three things you're looking for, their educational background, their experience, and they have a designation and preferably a designation uh, with uh, ASA, our organization. What would that designation look like? How do they verify that it's actually a legit designation? It's easy to uh, determine if they have an ASA designation. They can go to our website. We have a tool called Find an Appraiser. So if you go onto our website, our website is appraisers.org, put in that appraiser's name into that tool, and it will show the designation that they have. And it will actually provide them a lot of information about that appraiser, their bio, the areas that they specialize in, um, and their location. Um, So that's a way of determining if they have that ASA designation. Now, the process in which they go through to get the designation There's a lot of coursework that they have to go through. We require our appraisers to go through what we call principle of evaluation courses. These are three-day courses. They have to take all four of these courses. And then at the end of these courses, they have to take an exam. So that shows that they understood the work that they received in those courses. And then after they've completed these courses, they have to submit a appraisal report that shows that they understand how to value an asset. So once they've completed all of these items, that provides them the opportunity to get that ASA. And that's very important because again, as a consumer, you want someone that has taken that additional step to get that designation to ensure that they're gonna provide the appropriate information to come to that value of opinion for that asset. Okay, during the course of interviewing these potential appraisers, what are some of the red flags that we should look out for? Well, as they say, in terms of that old adage, you get what you pay for. And this is true in this scenario also for an appraisers. You want to make sure that this appraiser is engaged in this profession. You don't want someone that you know is doing this on the side as a side job. You want someone that's full-time in this profession, and, and that's what a designated member is going to do. You want to make sure that they are abreast of the current theories, trends, financial report standards, and understand the different laws that are associated with this profession. Um, So if you are finding an individual, again, that has that designation, they are keeping up with all these different changes that are happening in the profession to ensure at the end of the day, when they provide that appraisal report, it's going to meet all of the, the standards that are out there for this profession. Okay. But at the end of the day, regardless of the appraiser's education, experience, designation, or anything else, how do we actually know we're getting an honest appraisal of the true value of our jewelry, collectible, home, vehicle, whatever it happens to be? Well, that's a, a good question. So let's say that you go through the process and you know you have something appraised. And at the end of the day, you felt that that appraisal report wasn't what you thought it should be. You can question that appraisal. You can question, you know, uh, the sources that they used in order to obtain the end result of that opinion of value. Uh, and then that appraiser can take the information that they receive from the consumer and may go back and make some changes depending on, you know, the information that was given to them. The other way that you can also uh, determine if this report is to your liking is you can get another. Uh, appraiser to do appraisal reports. So you get a second opinion. 
and you can take that second opinion to compare it to the first opinion, determine if that's uh, what you're, you're looking for. So just like a lot of professions, when I mean, you go to the doctor and say the doctor gives you a diagnosis that you don't necessarily agree with, you go to another doctor and, and have them do the diagnosis, and then you can compare the two. Same thing in this profession. You could go get a second opinion um, to determine if that's really what you were looking for in that value. Okay. How long does it take to get an appraisal from start to finish? It really depends uh, on the complexity of the asset. For example, you, know, you may have an estate and that estate may have a lot of different personal property items from jewelry to artwork to furniture. So it may take this appraiser a number of days to do that, or it could be just one piece. So it could take an appraiser, you know, just a day to do that. So it really depends on the complexity of the asset. You know, here in Las Vegas, people are used to just walking into the pawn shop. <laughs> I mean, I know you've seen Pawn Stars, right? So, yes. <laughs> so what's the difference between that? I mean, obviously it's TV, so we don't see necessarily the whole lengthy process. And obviously they're going to pick certain ones to highlight on the show. But how does that differ from a typical appraisal process? Well, I mean, as you know, on TV, that's not real life. The difference, I think, and, and I don't know, you know who the appraisers are that work for some of the TV shows, is nine times out of 10, I don't think there's a lot of designated appraisers that work for these organizations. So you're going to get you know, a different take on things when you're not working with a designated appraiser. Okay. Besides that designation that you keep mentioning, what are some of the other benefits of choosing an appraiser who's a member of an organization like the ASA? Well, it's a lot of things there. I mean, they're keeping up with all of the different standards. Uh, there's a, a standard that the appraiser follows. It's called uh, uh, USPAP, Uniform Standard Professional. And that standards are updated every two years. And so as a member of an organization, they have to ensure that they are up to date with those standards. So they are required to take uh, our USPAP every two years. So you have that in terms of understanding the standards. Um, mm -hmm. There's also the requirement of a continuing education. Um, they have to get a certain amount of continuing education each year in order to keep their designation. So that, uh, in turn, uh, ensures that they are keeping up with what's happening in the market because they're continuing to go back and get education um, that's related to the profession. So that's a, another um, reason why you want to have a qualified appraiser because they're keeping up with the, the new trends on what's happening in the industry. Um, so that, those are probably the key elements there. They're keeping up with the standards and they're keeping up with the market because it's a requirement as being a designated member. Okay. So you mentioned the website, but tell us once again, how do we find a qualified appraiser or maybe just find out more about ASA and what you guys do? So our website is very easy. It's uh, appraisers.org. Again, appraisers.org. And on the website, there's many tools there to help you understand the appraiser profession and what to look for. And then there's the tool there so that you can find an appraiser that's in your area. And there's also information if you are looking to change careers and want to become appraiser yourself. Um, we have details on how to become an appraiser and to join this profession. Because one of the things that we found, and you probably you know, have talked about this, uh, a lot of people are looking for flexibility uh, in terms of what they do. And this profession really provides flexibility. You know, Once you've gone through the process of getting your designation, you have the flexibility of making your own schedule in terms of the work that you're going to take on. So it's a lot of flexibility there. So all of this is this information is on our website. And again, that's appraisers.org. 
Okay. So once again, appraisers.org, if you want to go and find a qualified appraiser, find out more about what ASA does, or even start your own career as an appraiser, that's appraisers.org. Like Johnny said, super simple, appraisers.org. And Johnny, I want to thank you so much for being here with us and for talking about this because it gives people an idea of how they can honestly get true value for their possessions so they're not getting ripped off. You know, they're walking away with everything that they deserve for it and making sure that they're dealing with appraisers who actually know what they're doing and are held to a certain level of accountability. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much, Heather. It was great being here with you. I'm a wife and the mother of two kids, and I've got a good job. Bye, Mom. See you, Mom. A pretty important job. Because of my family and my job, I really care about this neighborhood. It's a good neighborhood. Yes, there's some crime. And when I drive to work, like now, I realize that some people here don't trust the police. So the police should be reaching out to this community. And this community should reach out to the police. That's the way to make this a safer place. And when I get to work in the precinct house and put on my uniform, I can tell you as a police officer that this department is reaching out to the community and the community is doing its part. We're building partnerships. This should be happening everywhere. This is how we can all be safer. Get involved. Start the conversation. Start the conversation and help stop crime. To learn the five things you can do, go to ncpc.org slash preventviolentcrime. A message from the National Crime Prevention Council and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the Valley. Monday's Dark is a bi-monthly musical fundraising party at The Space, with each event raising 10k for a specific charity in 90 minutes. Upcoming shows include this Monday, June 20th at 8pm, benefiting NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Southern Nevada. Monday, July 11th at 8pm, benefiting Rebuilding Together, Southern Nevada. And Monday, July 25th at 8pm, benefiting Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Get tickets or find out more details at mondaysdark.com. The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Foundation is holding the first installment of the Southern Nevada Business Leaders Forum on Wednesday, June 29th from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Bally High Golf Club. This event encourages business leaders to support and partner with law enforcement in Southern Nevada. Find out more or get your tickets at lvmpdfoundation.org. Ken Klein's Still Life Art Exhibit is showing through July 5th at the West Charleston Library, located on the CSN campus between Jones and Torrey Pines. Enjoy this local artist's hyper-realistic oil paintings featuring historical pop culture subjects. Proceeds from art sales are being donated to charity. Hockey stars from the Vegas Golden Knights and football stars from the Las Vegas Raiders will be facing off against each other to play softball. The third annual Battle for Vegas charity softball game will take place on Monday, July 18th at 7.30 p.m. at Las Vegas Ballpark in downtown Summerlin. Watch Riley Smith of the Vegas Golden Knights and his teammates take on friends from the Las Vegas Raiders, with proceeds going to benefit the Vegas Golden Knights Foundation. Funds from the event will be distributed to two nonprofits, Communities and Schools of Nevada, the state's leading dropout prevention organization, and the Maximum Hope Foundation, founded by comedian Brad Garrett to provide financial assistance for families of children dealing with critical life-threatening illnesses. 
Buy your tickets or find out more details at battleforvegas.com. And the Nevada Wheelchair Foundation is giving out free wheelchairs to those who need them and can't afford them. To request a wheelchair or to help with the mission, visit nevadawheelchairfoundation.org. When a student lacks some of the most basic needs, like food, clothing, and school supplies, it can be challenging to even attend school. It can be hard to study, tough to concentrate, impossible to thrive. At Communities in Schools, we address this issue every day. Out in the community, there are great resources for students, and we bring these resources directly to the students who need them most. We work to ensure that they have everything they need to re-engage in learning in the classroom and at home. Including access to technology, learning materials, and even emotional support. By forging caring relationships with students and bringing communities of support to them. Our staff works to achieve equitable learning conditions so all kids can succeed in school and in life. And that's what Communities in Schools is all about. To learn more, visit communitiesinschools.org. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.